Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I'm Kurt Heelan, Managing Editor of Pro Basketball Talk, with you as always. And today, we're going to go over a couple areas. We're going to talk about all the changes coming to the All-Star Game, starting in Los Angeles this year, where the captains are going to start picking the players like a playground. And then we're going to get into a preview of the Northwest Division, which is one of the deepest in the league and covers the Thunder, the Blazers, Minnesota, just some fascinating teams, all of it with Dane Carbaugh from NBC Sports. First of all, I wanted to quickly say... If you're a fan of this podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe there. You can also find us on Stitcher, a great app for organizing your podcast. Either way, subscribe to this podcast. We're going to have great stuff from media members as well as NBA players and coaches and everything all season long. So with that, let's get started. And we are going to welcome in Dane Carbaugh to do this. Dane, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Dan is, of course, with us at NBC Sports, and you can find him. Where can we find you on Twitter and online looking for your stuff? Uh, just my name, at Dan Carbaugh. All right, cool. Well, before we get to talking, I mean, we'd set this up a while ago. I wanted to talk with the Northwest Division with you because you follow Portland and know the division. But before that, I think we want to talk about the All-Star Game changes because that's just kind of a big story and really... It breathes a little life into what's been kind of a just... Man, last year's event was just dull. The actual All-Star game itself has just become tedious because nobody plays any defense. There's no energy. There's no real motivation. So they've changed it up this year, and you're still going to pick the players much the same way. Fans will vote. Media will have some say. Coaches will pick the reserves. But essentially, all these players go into a pool, and the captains, the highest vote-getters, get to select the guys for the pool, which is... Makes a, it brings a little intrigue to what's otherwise been kind of a staid East versus West thing. Yeah, I really like the idea. And the thing that I'm, I'm wondering about is, and I assume that it will be performative in some way, right? The, the picks should be performative. It should be done on the floor in front of the crowd, right? I don't know if it's going to be done that way. I, I, I'm not sure that it's not just going to be done kind of online. I, I, that would be fun. Like, just essentially making it a real pickup game. Just like, all right, you're over here, you're over here. Um, because of the uniforms and the marketing and all that crap, I don't know if they're going to go that far. Although, I, that would be fun if they did. But even if they don't, you know, I, I think if I, they've got to make a show. If not an actual, like, NBA TV show, do something. It can't just be like, and we announced they picked them behind closed doors. Like, that's no fun. I want the, right. I want this to be a production. 
and you do you do have to have some way, I suppose, for uh, like <laughs> the whoever the all star is that gets picked last to not be the guy who got picked last. You know, sort of. So maybe that's a little embarrassing to get picked last in front of twenty thousand people at an all star game. So yeah, but they they need to make it some kind of thing because I, I it's less there's less of a connection between a change for me if it's all of a sudden oh these teams are rolled out and they are the blue team or whatever it's like okay that's that's fine but i need to have some sort of connection to how that process happened for me to think oh yeah this is like a cool thing about how it works now yeah i i agree i also like the idea i i'm a fan of the idea that they're now playing for some money for charity which look the only ways that that adds a little energy to this this adds a little extra motivation because they're not playing for themselves the amount of money it would take to get the all-stars to play hard would be pretty phenomenal because these are all, I mean, you're all talking guys with the exception of some rookies and stuff, but you're talking about guys on maxes type max or near max deals generally who are making a lot of money. And so, you know, you were going to have to put so much money into a pool to make them play hard. It wasn't worth it. Charity adds a little of that. They don't feel too bad if they lose, but they're, they're playing for something beyond themselves a little bit. Um, I like that aspect of it. We'll see, though. I They needed to do something to in, inject some energy into that game because right now it is just a defenseless mess. I think the, the best move would be to have something else that really adds value for them. Like, it doesn't have to be just one thing. I think charity is good from a... Uh, you know, from a league standpoint, from a PR standpoint, and maybe from a motivational standpoint. But, you know, I think it was Adam Reisinger from uh, ESPN who said that, you know, have, some, have it be something else. Like, if the team, the team that wins this year, if they make the All-Star game next year, they don't have to do any media availability. Which, which is like, yeah. that would motivate NBA players for sure. Yes, it would. They, they, for people who don't know, they despise doing it. And frankly, most of the media there isn't really thrilled with it either. But it's, it's part of the dance. Um, it's just kind of a big, awkward zoo. Um, yeah, they would certainly be motivated by that. The other change that they didn't, the league didn't go this far, but I really want them to. If you're going to use this kind of format, go best 24 players. It, forget the conference, because right now, the West is ridiculously deep, and you're going to, by the nature of it, guys that we could be talking about today, guys like C.J. McCollum and uh, Damian Lillard and stuff, they potentially could not make the All-Star game, not because they're not having a good year, but because the West's guards are you know, Harden and Westbrook and 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 Curry and, and Thompson. And just You go down the list in the West and it's ridiculous, and really good players are going to be left off, and that's not to completely denigrate the East, but the West is just deeper right now. So is it is it a better thing for um, the league? I think it would be a better thing for the league. I want to see the 24 best players. If you're just going to draw them randomly, let's let's not go by conference anymore. Well, it's certainly in the interest of Portland fans to have Damian Lillard miss out on another All-Star game, given how he plays like a bat out of hell once he every time he misses. <laughs> but uh, but in any case, I, I I think the problem with that, of course, is that again from a league standpoint, that's something they would never do because it would no. it would ge- gerrymander the weight of how the how the teams were so that I mean at least the, I think the league's thinking. Who knows if they have real metrics on this? I'm sure they do, or I would hope so. But about okay, well, what kind of interest is there? in certain segments of the country if their all-star doesn't get in. Now, I don't think that's really, I don't know if that's really the case, to be perfectly honest, because this is a national, global game of yeah. some kind of interest. And the like we were talking about earlier, the, the real problems with the all-star game are really structural. It doesn't have anything yeah. to do with 
who's on the teams. So, but I think they, that's the only reason they wouldn't do that is because it would isolate some of the uh, some of the parts, particularly of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, it would. I mean, you you would certainly be losing guys. I don't know to use an easy example. Kemba Walker made it last year. I was pushing for Kemba Walker to make that team. I wanted to see him on there. And that said, if, if you did it this way, I don't know that Kemba makes it, despite his phenomenal season. So, you know, they, I think they went with six. We not think they went six guards deep last year in the in the East. Uh, that wouldn't happen this year, just because the West is so loaded. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. But I'm, you know, first year in Los Angeles, they'll do it again in Charlotte. We'll see if they stick with it beyond a couple of years if they try some different format. But at least they're, I will say this, at least they're trying something because it needed some sort of energy. The actual game itself just seemed like anticlimactic to the weekend. And I, I can't tell you how many media members like just don't go to the game. Like they, right. they come for the weekend and they're there doing interviews and everything they can, whatever. And then it gets to Sunday afternoon and that's when they go home because the actual game itself wasn't interesting. In fact, the most interesting thing about Sunday night's game last year was that, um, DeMarcus Cousins was traded basically during it and, right. and, and came off the floor like, what? So um, that was the only, I mean, outside of that, you just don't get anything really interesting outside of these, you know, a few highlights from the score fest. So hopefully this, hopefully this adds a little buzz and energy to the event in Los Angeles. And like we said, I would love to see, like you said, if they're not going to do it on the court, they've got to find some sort of public way to handle the picks. It's, it's you know, just just have it, look. Let's be honest. It's going to be LeBron James and Kevin Durant. We'll just have them go back and forth on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, in, I'm in for that. Yeah, so we'll see. Well, let's then move on and talk about a couple guys who are going to be all stars. Russell Westbrook in particular. I think if we're going to start our breakdown of the Northwest Division, it kind of has to start with a team actually not in the Northwest, in the Oklahoma City Thunder, kind of geographically outside the area, but. They have moved. So it's a it's a, it's a legacy designation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's and you know they, in a few years they'll move back to Seattle. Don't worry. No, probably not actually. But we'll we'll see what that's all. The whole Seattle thing is another a whole different podcast we can have you on for. <laughs> um, Westbrook signing that extension does that really? Do you think it changes the dynamic that much for Paul George? It's so hard to tell because the only thing we've heard is a denial from his camp about the Los Angeles rumors. Meanwhile, we've heard from, you know, reputable um, writers, essentially, that they have sources that have said, look, multiple different people have come out about this. Former teammates, friends, uh, you know, private conversations, yada, yada, yada. So it's like, all right, well, this is really being spread around in private. And I, I only have one sort of reputation for that, and like you know, like we're talking about, is that like the way that the salary cap has jumped has essentially made the monetary figure for these guys irrelevant. Or like Clay Thompson said, that his shoe deal makes it easier to take yeah. a pay cut because at some point in time you lose any sort of tangible understanding even if you already are a multimillionaire, like a, you had your first contract you're going to sign your second uh or your second after your rookie um you know well what's the difference between 160 million and 200 million i, I have no idea the human brain can't really put it like a tangible um like 
balance uh, between those two things when you're trying to weigh them. So it doesn't matter for a lot of these guys. So it's like, if that's really what it is, and Paul George is going to come up and sign his next contract, it's like, who he, who's going to care? Like, he, yeah. he doesn't care anymore. Like that, And that's, that's, of course, probably uh, a bigger problem for the league. So I'm not really sure because of all the information we have so far, you know, combined with the fact that NBA players want to exercise their agency and the fact that the money is so big that it doesn't matter if you take uh, a max from not your team or the 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 full rights max from from your current team anymore so i don't know i think that a lot of the los angeles stuff i look i it plenty of people had told me that it was out there that, that, that this was coming directly from people around the george camp but i think that this was more tied to his concerns about where he would land in a trade once Oklahoma City put him on the market, he was just trying to scare some teams off, I think, a little bit. Oklahoma City wisely went all in because if you're Oklahoma City, and I think, look, there's a handful of teams in here. Houston went all in this year. So I think San Antonio is in this group. Obviously, Cleveland. If you've got a superstar elite player in his prime, you can't sit around and go, you know, hopefully we can get past the Warriors in three years. Like, we'll, 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 we'll get to Minnesota in a bit, who kind of went in this summer, but still has it, you know, with Towns and Wiggins and everything. Their future still is ahead of them. You can't do that if you're Oklahoma City. You could have lost, if you hadn't, you could potentially have lost Westbrook next summer. Now he's locked in because he said, all right, they're committed, I'm committed. If I believe that they're going to be committed beyond this year, which is the other big question here. They go out and they get Carmelo Anthony, who, um, look, I like that deal for them. I don't know that it makes them dramatically better. Um, he's, you know, doesn't defend well anymore, obviously, anymore. And, and I'm he's a really good spot-up shooter off the ball. And if he's willing to be Olympic mellow, he brings something to the table. He can still create mismatches. And maybe you put him out there with the second unit a little and let him get some buckets. But I'm not sure that he makes them dramatically better as is. That said... You're saying to Westbrook, look, we're all in. The question is, he could opt in next year. He's got $28 million he is owed. Sure. Yeah, he could get a three-year deal where he makes, I don't know, what would, $20 million a year, a little, you know, so he makes more long-term security. But he might just look at the market, which is going to be really tight next year, and say, I'm going to opt in. I'm going to take my $28 million. If he does that, and you max, you've already maxed out Westbrook, and now you're going to, you obviously have to max out George to keep him. Uh, Bobby Marks is estimating was it's a, like a hundred and forty-seven million dollar tax bill could come due on them for a small market. Uh, I, are they? I mean, I think that that's the that's only a, thing. That's a misnomer when it comes to Oklahoma City. It's a small market in terms of the the market value, but NBA NBA co- or, uh, owners are some of them are not um, afraid of l- losing money or at least losing money on the balance sheet that they present. Um, and that yeah. doesn't matter for when you're owned by an oil tycoon. Yeah. So. And, yeah, and by the way, I like the way you phrased it's that. It's the same thing with the Blazers. I mean, the Blazers had the highest tax bill, for, I mean, for decades, for decades. I mean, they had the, the highest highest payroll because who were they owned by? Paul Allen. It's like, well, they can't get anybody to come to Portland, but they'll pay everybody to stay there, you know? Yeah, and the other part of that, by the way, and we won't get into all the details, it bugs, but it always bugs me, is that, oh, we're losing money year over year, we've lost, uh, so whatever. They don't fact forgetting the factoring in that most of these guys also own the arena or have some tie-in with the arena, so that you know they're shifting pocket money from one pocket to another. Franchise valuation doesn't count in that. Like I, right. you know, if you came to a billionaire and said, "Hey, you're going to lose three million dollars a year 
for 10 years, but then you're going to turn around and sell the team <laughs> for 500 million more than you bought it for. They're all like, so like a massive profit. Okay, I'm good. I'm in. Like, I'll pay it out now. Like, yeah, I'm, I will pay out the 30 million now for the $470 million profit I make on the back end. They're, they're all good right. with that. Like, I, honestly, if I had the money, I'd be good with that. Like, <laughs> and in the meantime, you can write off the losses. Exactly. So yeah, it's really not that bad for them. Um, we'll see if they're willing to go there, though. And really, I mean, mm-hmm. this again, this is a team that traded James Harden in part because of because of the tax bill concerns. So we'll see if they're really willing to go there. I thought Westbrook might try to keep not sign the deal and keep the pressure on, but he does sign. And look, this now is. I think potentially the second best team in the East. I or West, I should say. I have them third. I, I have Houston a little higher now, but I think Oklahoma City has the potential. Uh, the GMs, by the way, had them fourth. I think they have the potential to be the second best team because well, start here. This is a was a top, this was tenth in the league defensive team last year. This was a good. It was good defense and the Russell Westbrook show. Now it's. Even better defense. You, Paul George can flat out defend on the wing like nobody... Well, I mean, they had Roberson and stuff, but now they've got bodies that you can kind of start to throw at teams like Golden State. If Carmelo Anthony and Russell Westbrook and Paul George can learn to sacrifice and meld on offense and do the things that, frankly, it usually takes teams... I mean, just looking at Miami with LeBron, what took them a couple years you know, middle of that second season before they really went, ah, and they put it together and, and found their system and found everything. They don't have, I don't know if they have that kind of timeline. If things go weird this year, you know, George could leave. But if they could put it together, I think that that's a team that really gen, is as good as anybody else in the in the West, not named Golden State. Right, yeah. Well, and the other thing too is that we're talking about uh, offense and how it works. I mean, okay, the thing that I've sort of been not necessarily parroting, but but wondering aloud is, yeah, how do you work in three high-usage guys? But the flip side of that, of course, is that, yeah, the Thunder were um, ninth in pace last season, which is great news because everybody talks about Olympic mellow. That's also Mike D'Antoni mellow playing the four. So yep. he said he's going to play the four. That's going to be – Billy Diamond said that Melo's going to play the four, and, and Melo said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> I'm sure to the, to the chagrin of – of folks in New York, but um, you know what? What are we talking about in terms of those Knicks teams when Melo is playing the four? Pace. We're talking about Mike D'Antoni pace, top five in the league pace. So I think that really, like all of that put together, still works for this team. Um, so I think that uh, yeah, I think they they are already coming together. I think and showing the things that they've wanted to. Uh, like we we wanted to see from them in terms of, you know, camaraderie and an ability to uh, yeah. find their own spots just in the, like a preseason game. Um, I I think it'll work. And you know, you, well, the thing we didn't also didn't talk about is sort of the decline of some of the other teams in the West. You know, like uh, the Spurs. You know, I think will still struggle to to figure out what they're what they're doing. And struggle is a relative term. You know, based off of their. Yeah. Uh, you know, decade plus of winning sixty plus games or whatever stupid thing it is. Um, you know, mixed with you know Tony Parker's probably not going to play until December and things like that. So they yeah they take a little step back. But you know, I, as I was writing and working on their season preview for uh, Thursday at, at PBT, it's it's 
they still to me set the bar. Like they're still not going to beat themselves. Like the Spurs are going to be the Spurs, yeah, yeah. and you're still going to have to. Like, they're still going to win fifty five or fifty seven games. They still got Kawhi Leonard. Like you know, they're yeah. still they're still going to pull two guys on the floor this year that we don't remember being drafted who turned out to look really <laughs> good. Like they're going to do what they always do, but I'm not sure that they're built for the in the play for the playoffs. Certainly to go up against Golden State, but even more so uh, to go up against Houston or Oklahoma City. Yeah. Um, and most and mostly what I mean by that is like I think when we talk about the West, is that especially with teams who either want to move from that six seven spot up into a you know top four spot or move from a just outside the playoff spot into the playoff spot, the tolerances are so 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 small. Yeah. So you need those little changes in your opponents, like the Spurs maybe having, you know, I don't want to call it a decline, but you know they just aren't who they were even three years ago, you know. Uh, so like you need that change if you're a team like Oklahoma City who went all in this season and they want to move up to be like you said, like a top three team or a top two team. Yeah, I, I think for them this year, I mean, look, we're gonna we're gonna focus on those big three guys and all this. I really think a key for them is, is Stephen Adams having a big year. I think that they need his toughness and his rebounding and his defense, and him to get some buckets inside, and him to do some just some of the dirty work around the paint that that, that hasn't always gotten done. I think that with him in the fold, they are a much more dangerous team. Uh-huh. And yep. I, to me, he, to me, he's kind of the. If you're talking about a bellwether guy, I got to watch. It's it's is is Stephen Adams healthy? Is he having a good year? Because a lot of what they want to do on the outside, just they need him as the foundational piece there to, to kind of build on. Right. Yeah. Because now you have guys like, I mean, their, their main backups are going to be what, like uh, Raymond Felton, Patrick Patterson. Yeah. Uh, Pat Patterson, of course, is a, a good player and should be, again, like, unfortunately, very useful or, or nece- not, not useful, necessary for them to be able to, yes. to win those games. Because, you know, we saw that last season in terms of. Uh, you know, Westbrook struggled a little bit, like when um, when Oladipo had his wrist issues. Yeah, you know, he, that was one of the guys who he was. You know, when Westbrook would draw literally all five de- defenders, it was Oladipo and Roberson really benefiting from those things. So, like when one of them went out, it was kind of a little bit of an issue for the Thunder. So, to start good teams for the most part are top heavy in the NBA. We know that they're packed with stars at the top, and they fill out the rest of it. But the Thunder, of course, have a few key guys, and then you have like sort of the, the bottom of it, like Isaiah Cannon and you know guys like that who are going to be contributing far less than the guys directly above them, that, that Roberson-level type of player. Exactly, but I still think look, this is still a powerhouse of a team that's probably going to be, like, we'll see at the end of the year. It's, it still feels like, you know, I feel like Jeff Gundy here, but it's Golden State and everybody else. But when you get to everybody else, they could be there, and that's not a bad spot to be. Like, it's not a bad position to say, hey, I'm, like, you know, second best in the NBA. Maybe they stumble, maybe something happens, and and you're you're well-poised to try to take advantage of it. So that is going to be one powerful team that's going to be really impressive. Um, But I think the team everybody's going to watch almost as much in this division is Minnesota, who made big moves this year. I mean, look. We knew Carl Anthony Towns, he's two years in the league and he's already an almost all-NBA player. He was the guy who got the most votes but didn't make all-NBA last year. He's been that good. 
Andrew Wiggins has been on the rise. And then they went out and got Jimmy Butler this summer, adding uh, you know a great two-way player on the wing who should help a, a defense that was down last year. How big of, I mean, they're going to take a big step forward. How big a step do you think they take? I mean, it's it's hard to say, obviously, because you're looking at it like, okay, the West is super tough, and, um, you know, we've been waiting for the development, which we think maybe Wiggins hasn't shown the, maybe it's just that he's, you know, within the <laughs> within the orbit of Carl Anthony Towns, so his development um, doesn't look as good as Carl Anthony Towns' development, but uh, maybe he hasn't gone as far as some people have hoped. Um, but I, I think it's going to be pretty significant, if only because they have it. They added Jimmy Butler to a roster that, are, like you said, already had a guy in Carl Anthony Towns who is probably, I mean, probably going to be an All Star next year. I, I mean, would hope. I mean, like, so uh, a- Andrew Riggins is going to be, I th- think, better. Um, and, I, and the and the roster they filled out around them while aging, and a lot of them are just former Bulls from <laughs> underneath uh, mm-hmm. Thibodeau. You know, this is also a team that ha- you know has has a coach that's been there for a little while. So it's not like coming in and trying to get everything to mesh. And it's not like you're adding in terms of how many stars they added. They only added one star, right? That's not like yeah. adding two guys to a team, changing the system. And like like we're talking about, you know, previous years with the Heat and things like that. So, I think that I think it's going to be significant, and if only because I think the bottom part of the Western Conference race, I think will be while they added stars. It's like okay, well that makes you know if we're, we're talking about the same division, um, you know, adding Paul Millsap to Denver, it's like well Denver was a really fun team last year that had really significant defensive issues, and they added Paul Millsap. He should be good on both sides of the ball. It's going to be great to see them pass. But it's not like when I look at those two rosters and the experience they have, I still don't think that's a better team than the Timberwolves. No. So it's like, okay, well then you can start sort of easily ranking out that, um, you know, that that twelve to eight in the West, and you're like, okay, well yeah, I think it's going to be significant for them. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think so too. I I will say I think the big key for them, you know, in, in addition to just adding Butler is the defensive end of the floor for them. They uh-huh. they were not a terribly good defensive team last year. They need to be a much better defensive team this year. And that starts, you know, with Towns a little bit, but I like the move of Jeff Teague out top. Even though Ricky Rubio was a good defender, I, uh, Teague can be a little more physical. Plus, now you've got Jimmy Butler in there who gives you a really good wing defender. And that seemed, I saw them in person for a, a preseason game this year, that seemed to free up Towns to do a little more shot blocking and be a little uh-huh. more of a force inside. Uh, granted, he was up against the Lakers, and, and at points they <laughs> he didn't have to defend them some of their bigs terribly well. But they were better defensively. It looked like you could see the structure of what they wanted to do there. And if they can get that up to a becoming, you know, I think they go as far as their defense goes because I think offensively they're going to be a pretty good team. Not right. not not Rockets Warriors good, but I mean they're going to be a good team. The question is, can they get enough stops? They seem to be moving towards that. Plus, you just have to think at some point Tom Thibodeau pushes this team to be better defensively. Right, yeah. And I think that's that's a big thing I for folks to realize. It's like, oh, when you get a you have a shop-locking center, it's, it's not necessarily about 
if guys are going to get beat on the wing because that's what happens. Or, or you push them towards people. But what it allows them to do, like you said, is it allows them to, what do you want to call it, roaming or freelancing or, yeah. or just being more aggressive when it comes to altering the shots of certain guys, is that if you have better defensive players on the wing who are helping out not just on their own guy but off of their own guy to another wing player's man, that really makes things a lot better. So I think that that really should help. Uh, the Timberwolves, and yeah, but we're talking about a lot of these teams. A lot of these teams, we just talked about it with the Thunder. It's like, okay, it's really going to be about probably defense because their offense is going to be very good. And it's the same kind of, you know, Denver's that way, Portland's yep. that way. A lot of the a lot of the teams in this division actually are that way. Yeah, that's very true. And by the way, you can also, teams are good about, like Utah did it last year, they can funnel guys to your big man. Like, to mm-hmm. Try to control the drive and get it to... You know, Gobert is kind of a special case because he's such a good defender. But you try to funnel the guy to directly to where it's going and and to to the guy most able to kind of alter and block and change things. And I think that that's what you're getting. That's what you're getting with Towns a little bit. You're getting the ability to. He's starting to figure out where to be a little earlier. Um, I think you're going to see Wiggins should be a better defender on the wing than he has been. I think we'll see more out of him. I just I like where Minnesota is headed. Jimmy Butler, it would be interesting to see how much like how much he's initiating the offense versus Teague and, uh, you know, who's setting the picks for him and how. But the other part of this, and they didn't do it a ton in the one preseason game, you know, Taj Gibson was getting a lot of looks because <laughs> the, the Lakers were looking at who they could leave and were like, yep, Taj. Taj was just getting wide open three after wide open three. But come the regular season, come games that matter, you've got to feed Carl Anthony Towns. That guy has to eat and eat. A lot every game. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So we'll move on then and start talking a little bit about Portland, which is another team. They didn't make a huge move in this offseason. Their offseason move was really the deadline last year when they went and got Yusuf Nurkic. Um, the idea is they have him for the full season. They bring they got out from under the Alan Crabb uh, contract, although Crabb played minutes for them last year that they, they got to find a way to fill. But it's really still like... It's Damian and CJ, and can we get enough stops? Yeah, and I, I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. It's really up to two things. Is is one is how the it's it's really how the defensive players on the wing perform with them, and who those starters are going to be. Uh, whether it's going to be Alfredo at the three or uh, Mo Harkless, that's a real question. Um, it's possible that Evan Turner is the starter, and really how that rotates out will be will be important for this team's defense because. Uh, the four and the five spot, I think, are, uh, you know, there's more depth there than they've had in, in seasons past. And certainly if you're expecting Nurkic to play the entire season, then you have, you know, those minutes already sorted out for you, which which wasn't the case, of course, in Portland when they were playing with Mason Plumley. You know, actually yeah. the, the, the guy who had the fifth most points in the, or uh, minutes on the team was actually Alan Crabb. Mason Plumley was a starter, but he had the sixth most, <laughs> most uh, uh, minutes on, played on the team. So, um so it's it's going to be interesting to see whether or not um, how that defense works. Terry Stotts has said that he's not going to make specific changes uh, to his system. He spent a lot of the time over the the off season thinking about his system, and that system is uh, you know they don't hedge, they don't they don't they did a little they did a little they did a little show and recover last season at the end. I, I should take that back, but they but their system is really basic ice. It's not yeah. that it's not that involved. So whether that changes simply by having a better shot-blocking big man, um, 
I, I don't know. I think the problem with the Blazers' pick-and-roll defense for me after watching so much film on it year after year is really just that Damian and CJ just don't get enough pressure over the top. They just don't. Like, yeah. a, a lot of teams shoot a good you know, mid-range percentage on them for a reason, which is which is what they want, but um, I don't know that it works for them, especially when you pick that, you know, sort of when the rest of the defense sort of breaks down. And, and again, maybe that changes because you don't have guys like Mason Plumley icing the pick-and-roll and then literally running into his own man to <laughs> give up an open lane. Uh, but uh, so I think it's so the other thing for me, too, is that, and this is probably just the Oregonian in me, but... It's it's the real worry that Nurkic is not going to be able to play a full season. He's that is a legitimate he's, he's, concern. Yeah, no, that's yeah, legitimate. He's 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 slimmed down. He said he's lost 34, 35 pounds at uh, at media day. Um, that's important. He certainly looks a lot thinner. He certainly he seems a lot quicker. But again, he's still playing at like two seventy or two seventy five. I mean, he's a giant human being, and the Blazers play with some pace and they need him to get up and down. And and I think that was maybe some strain. Because he was out of shape last year when he came in, because he was just rotting away on the on the Denver bench. Yeah, um, came in, had to play, you know, uh, play minutes with a team, and that's I think probably what led to the fracture in his leg. So you know, I don't know that that means he's injury prone, but of course, what do you get when you combine uh, a big man coming to to Portland? Is fears <laughs> about that very thing. So that's that's going to be the real thing to watch for me on defense is whether Nurkic can play the whole time and what the uh, those wing players look like. Any sleeper players we should be watching on this team? Ugh, probably not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's 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 hard to put in perspective because these the guys on the team, like like you said, the Blazers really didn't make a move this offseason. Yeah. I mean, their their move, you know, Olshay's gamble essentially was to do what the, the odds say um, and sign sign Alan Crabb, you know, match that RFA two years, or, uh, yeah, two years ago, and, um, or I should say last year, however you want to yeah. uh, count it out, but, um, and uh, it didn't work out. He thought he was going to find a, that you'd be able to, to swap him out somewhere, and uh, he, he ended up Really, what he got back in return for the team that signed him in the first place was, uh, you know, a, money for a trade. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if that really counts. I mean, Swanigan is the guy. Caleb Swanigan is the guy that they, everybody is talking about. He had a good, um, he had a good summer league. He's had yeah. a a good pre, he had a good preseason showing. We watched him yesterday. Uh, I mean, yeah, he does look good. He, that's not that's not sort of Blazers fans, which is what they do. What they do every year is they pick one player to hate. And they pick one player to love irrationally. So, you know, Thomas Robinson was a player to hate one year. Thomas Robinson was a player to love the next year. Myers <laughs> Leonard is a player to hate for like three years. Myers Leonard was a player to hate for one, or sorry, to love for one year. You know, it's like it goes back and forth. And so I think Swanigan is definitely going to be that player. I think for the first time in a while, Swanigan might be the player that Blazers fans love irrationally, who's actually pretty good. Yeah, um, he he does a lot of things that you can't you can't teach, which is instinct wise in terms of uh, you know rebounding rotations, and he's got some you know pretty good post moves for a rookie that I think will be interesting. So if I had to pick one, he'd be the guy. Yeah, I was going to say we both saw him in person at summer league, and and the advantage he comes in with is a he's built like an NBA player already. Right, like he he comes in with an NBA ready body. He can bang around a little in there and and not get pushed around. So, you know. He, they all have to get in a little bit better shape and get a little stronger. It's it's just part of being a professional. But he comes 
in more ready for that than most. Um, but I also like you. I I watched that uh, Blazers game last night on you know uh, on TV, and I was impressed with. Uh, I have fears about energy bigs in the in summer league. If you are a high energy big man who can run the floor and rebound and just plays hard in summer league, you look good. Like right. just be, by the nature of the pickup game style of that, if you're um, and and we'll see how guys like this pan out longer term, but. If you're Ante Zizic or um, the Laker big man, uh, whose name suddenly escapes me, begins with a Z, Zubek. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, if you're that kind of big man, like, they both looked pretty mediocre in Summer League, but part of that is just their game isn't going to translate to Summer League. They're just right. not the up-and-down energy bigs. Roni Turioff was, like, Summer League star back in the day. Like, those kind <laughs> of big men who are just going to outwork you are great in Summer League and how they pan out, you know, Kenneth Fareed-type guys. Are, you know how that works in in the NBA is a little more up and down, but he looked really good again. One preseason game, but he looked really good there, and and maybe he can get the minutes during the course of the season. Maybe he can he can move a little bit that way. Um, I, I think I have Portland as a playoff team, but I really think that when you get past Minnesota in in the West, um, and the, the the big four teams, and then Minnesota. I genuinely believe it's going to come down to health. Like, Portland can make it if they're healthy. Denver can make it if they're healthy. Um, and, and you can go on down the list through Utah and some other teams in there. I just, I think it's, the Clippers are in there. You know, how many games do they get out of Blake Griffin and Danilo Gallinari? I, I really think that there's a cluster of teams, like you said, between oh, six or seven and 12 that could interchange just based on, on who can stay healthy. And I think Denver's in that mix. Like, I like Denver barely missed the playoffs last year. They figured out who they were midway through the year with Jokic. And uh, the NBA GMs called the Paul Millsap signing, like, the most underappreciated big signing of the summer. I tend to agree with that. I, that is a guy who is a perfect fit for what they need uh, defensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of times when I'm going through and just writing stories for us, and I'm, I'm thinking about that same thing, I, I kind of forget that it's like, oh, I'm trying to think of who, who are all the guys who went west this season? It's, it's this guy, it's this guy, it's uh, somebody else. Oh, it's, it's Millsap. Millsap, that's right. Because yeah. we're talking about not just on, everybody likes to focus on, uh, oh, rebounding and the, 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 you know, the, the fact that both bigs can pass really opens things up for an offense that's already potent and moves around well, gets up and down the floor. Okay, on defense, we're talking about a team that's uh, young, to yeah. be perfectly honest. I mean, they're just yeah. young. I mean, even if we're talking about like experienced guys, I mean, experienced guys in that team constitute like Will Barton, you know, who's not yeah. not exactly like an, an old head, you know, came to the league in 2013. So it's it's really, uh, I think he's really going to help guide them and, and anchor them. And what a perfect position to be doing that for them and helping them on defense, right? Because like we were just talking about, with, say with Portland, is all right. Well, it's like if you're if your guards aren't that good at defense, that's Denver's problem. Okay, well, you need something from from the wing or the power forward spot because it can't just be, all right, well, let, let the center handle everything. Because you're right, like, only basically only Utah can do that these days, yeah. you know, or, or Miami. <laughs> um, so it's just not it's just not going to happen. So, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be, like, vitally important. Um, and I'm, I, I think... I think people have the right idea about Denver, though. Is that oh, that's an oh, that, that's an early league pass pick. It's like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. league pass pick. We should we should all be watching the Nuggets. You mentioned the guards, but I really think 
Gary Harris is a guy who could have a breakout year for them just because, look, he's a 3-and-D guy at the two-guard spot. I wonder if they're going to be able to get an extension done with him before the season starts because he has real value to them as a guy who can space the floor and give them some wing defense um, before those guys go crashing into the paint. So he's a guy who plays really well off off of Jokic, and I think he could play well off Millsap. Look, that's a quality young player right there that they've got that they probably don't want to let go. I don't know if they're going to be able to find a price, but that's the kind of guy they really need in that system if they're going to keep taking steps forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Denver. the The West is interesting not just because they added stars, but because of how complex I think that bottom half race is going to be. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. It's it, that bottom half of the West race is is something that could go like I said a lot of different directions. I think health is going to be a big part of it. Like, you know, again, the Clippers are an easy example, but frankly, I'll throw in that other team in the in the division in there in that race too. It's Utah. Yes, they lose Gordon Hayward, so obviously this is a step back for them. They are not going to be as good this year. But they did some stuff to the roster, you know, bringing in some veterans. Ricky Rubio at the point. Like, there's things I like there. They're still going to be an elite defensive team. And if other teams in the West suddenly, you know, if, if Portland and Denver and the Clippers are battling some injuries or battling whatever, and, you know, Blake Griffin punches somebody again, whatever, <laughs> uh, any of this goes down, I got a feeling Utah's just hanging around going they, like they could sneak in just because they're going to still get stops. The question there is like, where are the points going to come from? Because I, I look, I like Rodney Hood as much as the next guy, but if he's your right. primary shot creator, it's it's going to be a rough year. Right, and I think people in Utah have that reservation, anyways, just because we're taking a look at, um, you know, Rodney Hood and Alec Burks really need to, to be the guys there. Yeah, and you know, Alec Burks, all right, we need him to be healthy. Rodney Hood, we need him to be consistent and not so streaky. So, I mean. Again, those guys. I mean, okay, you have Exum back and everything. It's like, or, or you know, I mean, I know he played the whole whole season last year, but I mean, like, back in terms yeah. of like, okay, fully and probably gets more minutes in the rotation just because of the way that the the wing and the and the guard rotations like yeah. shake out. Um, it's like, man, <laughs> you lost Gordon Hayward and you had you know trouble scoring with a lot of the same guys in this team and Gordon Hayward, anyways. Now yeah. maybe the hope is that. Because you have a guy who can move the ball around. I mean, Rick Rubio can score for himself, but he can also move the ball around um, just by passing. Maybe that gives you more lanes, but it's like, again, who is he passing to? It's people that are far less proven. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, I think, maybe, yeah, kind of a kind of a struggle in Utah this year. And I have, I have less confidence in them in terms, not necessarily in terms of getting to the playoffs, but just in terms of having confidence in them. Say if I'm a Utah fan specifically, because I think it might be really frustrating to watch them on offense from a look dude, two days ago on this road trip, you just did this. How come you can't get this done? And what's, you know, what's the problem tonight? And as opposed to like, Oh, well this just looks like our offense and it's kind of clunky, you know, which is, those are, kind of the same but they're also different exactly i i think there's a couple guys to watch here that make them potentially more dangerous and that starts with Derek favors like this is a this offense has always been much better this team has been much better when Derek favors is on the court and staying healthy and of course that's 
you know, that's the question. Is, is Derek Favors able to stay healthy? Is Derek Favors able to stay on the court? But when he is, that provides some scoring punch, some rebounding up front that really makes them a lot more dangerous. And the other guy to watch is the rookie, Donovan Mitchell, who looked great in Summer League and might be one of those steals of the draft type of guys. He is certainly going to get his chance. He was defending really well in Summer League, which is what's going to get him on the court for Quinn Snyder. But he's going to get his chances this year. I mean, he's... I don't know that he's in the, you know, Ben Simmons, Lonzo Ball, Rookie of the Year running, but he is a guy who could look like somebody who can make a difference. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I, I think, again, this team is so interesting from that standpoint, and it's like it's it's like we were talking about earlier. Is it the tolerances for these things? It's like, oh, if, if this shakes this way, and yeah, you have this guy who's a rookie, and you have this coming out for not one but two guys that, I mean, Utah. You know, they've been the team of the future for, it feels like, five years out yeah. west. I mean, like half a decade. And here they are, um, and they don't have their main star that they wanted to keep, and you're sort of planning on that. It's almost the same thing as the Celtics a little bit. I mean, the Celtics mm-hmm. have those stars on top, but the Celtics, because they don't have any depth anymore, are going to be doing the same thing. They need Marcus Smart, they need Jalen Brown, they need uh, J- Jason Tatum. They need all these guys to like, okay, you have to be good now for us to be good or to like to be like a, an impact yeah. in the playoffs. And Utah is almost like, okay, you have to like Burke, Zoom, Hood. You, you need all these guys to be, you have to be good and consistent for us to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. And there'll be a lot more offense requested out of, uh, out of Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert remains, you know, an all NBA level center uh, who is a, as good, he was my defensive player of the year vote last year. He certainly deserved to be on anybody's, you know, top two, top three, because um, Kawhi and Draymond are really good. But you're, you're talking about an elite defensive, probably the best defensive center in the NBA, bar none, right now. DeAndre Jordan's the only other guy, probably in the ballpark. Maybe, maybe Whiteside uh, tries to get in there, but. He's going to have to do more on offense too, around the rim and rolling and finishing and getting his chances and. Uh, he's going to have to show a little more creativity in how he gets points. Rubio will get him the rock at points. He's he's going to have right. to finish a little. Right. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm with you. And it's like they they need him to, you know, uh, this is what I mean. Do you want to say this is his team now? I is, think it is his team. Is, who else, he's, he's the guy, right? Who else? Yeah, it's got to be him right now. He's yeah, he's, it's he's be the him. guy making the money. He's the guy. Um, He's the, I guess he's going to be the guy on the billboards outside the arena. When you think of, like, whose picture do you put up? Right. Well, it's it's got to be Gobert. I'm not sure. Him, him, him and Joe Ingles, baby. Joe, Joe Ingles. The brilliant Joe Ingles, who's, who will, you know, hey, he's a guy who might be able to help you. If you're in a deep fantasy league, he's the kind of guy who might be able to help you this year. <laughs> also because. going to be, uh, again, like, surprisingly necessary for, for yep. this team to uh, have, a good, have an offense that works. Exactly. So It's going to be, like, we're going to be watching a lot of this division. Between Portland and Minnesota and Denver and and Oklahoma City, just those are four league pass teams that you just you're going to want to put on all the time. It's going to be a really interesting division, and that ultimately, by the way, we'll add is meaningless. We, we I I do the previews by division because it's a nice way to break them out. But after yeah. after we do the previews, like divisions are meaningless. It is a conference and. These teams that are we're talking about battling for a playoff spot will be doing so, you know, like I said, with the Clippers, with a couple teams from other divisions trying to sneak in on the back end too. So it's going to be a really interesting year, but I think, man, Oklahoma City, 
has a shot. As much as anybody's got a shot at the Warriors, and I'm not sure anybody does if they're healthy, if, if much as anybody does, they could be right there if everything comes together for them. That's 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 a team I'm just really curious to see how how much better they look by Christmas, by the All-Star break, than they do, you know, in November. Sure. And and, and if anything, they are the most one of the most interesting teams because there's only one there's only two ways for them to pan out, right? Which yep. is essentially uh, top four team, top three team, or tire fire, right? Yeah. No, so they're gonna, you're gonna want to watch them no matter what. Yeah, exactly. And 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 with the, even though he tried to diffuse it a little, I think the Paul, where does Paul George go? Question looms over them all season. Just yep. everything Paul George does will be seen as a through the what does he do this off season? Hey, I heard Paul George texted LeBron James. You know, it's like it's all going to be viewed through <laughs> through the prism of what he's going to do next year and and he's wise to leave his options open so well he could sign an extension right he who's, could but who who's who scorned him whose birthday could he sign an extension on <laughs> what what is kevin pritchard's birthday <laughs> uh, uh, i suppose it is possible but uh i i think he's going to keep his options open and then at the end of the season look if they win i don't know 55 57 games and make the conference right. finals it probably stays but if sure. they don't, you know, we'll see. It's going yeah. to be, it is going to be one long and interesting season. And uh, Dane, thank you for being here today. And obviously, you'll be writing and covering all this and, and doing some extra Portland stuff this year, which will be fun since you're up there throughout this coming season. We look forward to seeing all of it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, cool. And thank you again, everybody, for listening. Again, go to iTunes, subscribe, comment, let us know what you think, what you want to hear from us on these podcasts, and also go to Stitcher. A fantastic app for downloading and uh, organizing your podcasts on your phone. Also, of course, NBCSports.com, where you can read the work of Dane and myself, plus find all these podcasts, plus the podcasts and news from around the sports world. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.